Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. Cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and obesity is at an all-time high. Many experts that have had on the show tell us that our diet is solely to blame. Our guest today looks at the word diet for its true meaning. The word diet actually comes from the Greek word diatia, which means way of living. In addition to what we eat, our lifestyle plays a major role in the prevention and even the reversal of many diseases. Joining us today is Dr. Dean Ornish, world-renowned pioneer of lifestyle medicine. He's going to share how simple lifestyle changes can reverse most chronic diseases. If you want to reach your optimal health and live life to its fullest, don't go anywhere. It all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that this episode is being brought to you by Carnivora. Our next guest is the clinical professor of medicine at UCSF. He's the author of six national best-selling books and the creator of the Ornish Diet ranked number one for heart health by U.S. News and World Report. Medicare and many health insurances cover his lifestyle modification program because of results that are backed by scientific evidence. He's the founder of the nonprofit Preventative Medicine Research Institute. He's been recognized by Life Magazine as one of the 50 most influential members of his generation, by People Magazine as one of the most interesting people of the year, and by Forbes as one of the world's most powerful teachers. Here to share with us the proven pillars to healthy heart and a wholesome life. Welcome to the show, author of Undo It, How Simple Lifestyle Changes Can Reverse Most Chronic Diseases, Dr. Dean Ornish. Hi there. It's great to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Oh, so glad to have you on the show. You know, I've interviewed many of today's leading health experts who actually mention you as the person who influenced them. So it's great to have you on the show. And you were one of the first to create a holistic program that could reverse arterial plaque. A key component of this focus was lifestyle. Share with us, what does lifestyle for optimal health include? Well, thank you. Yeah, we um, were able to show for the first time that even severe heart disease could be reversed in randomized trials through uh, intensive lifestyle changes, what we eat, how we respond to stress, how much exercise we get, and how much love and support we have, or to reduce it even further to eat well, move more, stress less, love more. Boom, that's it. And the more diseases we study and the more underlying biological mechanisms we look at, the more reasons we have to explain why these simple changes are so powerful and how quickly people can get better. You know, we tend to think of advances in medicine as being something really high-tech and expensive, a new drug, a new laser, and so on. And what we've been able to do, I think our unique contribution in the last 40 years has been to use these very high-tech, state-of-the-art scientific measures to prove how powerful these very simple and low-tech and and low-cost interventions can be. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You're saying words that you just don't hear from conventional medical doctors. How did you go from somebody trained as a conventional MD to transitioning into this lifestyle medicine? Well, I got interested in this actually out of my own uh, profound depression when I was in college and found that these approaches really kind of lifted me out of that. And then when I was in medical school at uh, Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, I was learning how to do uh, coronary artery bypass surgery with Michael DeBakey, one of the people who invented the operation. And we'd cut people open, we'd bypass their clogged arteries, he'd tell them they were cured. And more often than not, he would go, people would go home and do all the things that had caused the problem in the first place. We were literally bypassing the problem without treating the cause. It's a little like 
mopping up the floor around the sink that's overflowing without turning off the faucet. The problem keeps coming back again. So I wonder what would happen if we actually turned off the faucet, if we treated the cause. And so I took a year off between my second and third years of medical school and began the first study. This was back in 1977, over 40 years ago. And of the 10 people who went through this program for a month, um, eight of them showed significant improvement in the blood flow to the heart. They were actually reversing their heart disease. Their chest pain went away. They're able to get off of medications like their blood pressure and diabetes and cholesterol-lowering medications that they were told they'd have to take for the rest of their lives. And so um, that set me on a series of studies that we were able to show with increasing rigor that um, we could actually reverse the progression of heart disease. And then after 16 years of review, Medicare even created a new benefit category. So Medicare and other insurance companies are actually covering my reversing heart disease programs in hospitals and clinics and physician groups around the country. And so I was um, really helped create this new field of what's called lifestyle medicine, which is using lifestyle changes not only to help prevent disease, but actually to treat it and even reverse it. Not only uh, sometimes in combination with drugs and surgery and often as, a, as an alternative to them. So my new book, which I wrote with my wife and partner of 20 years, uh, Ann Ornish, will be published in early January by uh, Random House, by Valentine Book. And it summarizes, really kind of synthesizes what I've learned in 40 years of doing this. That it's, you know, it starts with a quote by Albert Einstein that says, if you, if you can't make it simple, you don't understand it well enough. And so I really kind of radically simple. And I'm putting forth a, a new unifying theory, which is that why is it that with all this talk about personalized diets and personalized medicine, that in every study we've done, we found these same lifestyle changes, a whole foods, plant-based diet that's low in fat and sugar, various meditation and other stress management techniques, moderate exercise, and what we call psychosocial support, which is really love and intimacy, eat well, move more, stress less, love more, that we can reverse so many different chronic diseases, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, obesity, heart disease, early stage prostate cancer. And when you change your lifestyle, it changes your genes. It turns on the genes that keep you healthy and turns off the genes that cause these chronic conditions, that we can actually begin to reverse aging at a cellular level by um, by lengthening telomeres, which is a study we did with Elizabeth Blackburn who got the Nobel Prize for her pioneering work in discovering telomeres, the ends of our chromosomes to regulate how long we live. Um, so, and the theory is, is that although we tend to think of these different diseases as being fundamentally different from each other, you know, diabetes is different than prostate cancer, heart disease, that they're really not. They're different manifestations of the same underlying biological mechanisms like chronic inflammation and oxidative stress and changes in your microbiome and sympathetic nervous system stimulation and so on. And each one of these mechanisms in turn is directly influenced by the diet and lifestyle choices that we make each day. Yeah, I love the name of your book, Undo It. I love that title. It's just simple, two words, and has a profound meaning. But you're naming some diseases that people are listening going, well, what are you talking about? I can't undo that. That's hereditary. That's that my father had it, and his father before them. How, how much to blame is genetics on poor health? And, you know, I guess what percentage of disease do you contribute to genetics compared to lifestyle being to blame that can be changed? Uh, our genes are a predisposition, but our genes are not usually our fate. Uh, in the case of these chronic diseases, for the most part, they're not genetic. There's a predisposition to it. But, you know, I, I called it undo it because my favorite key on the computer has always been the undo button. I thought, wouldn't it be nice if we had that in our lives? And, and, <laughs> and now we do because so many of these chronic diseases actually can be undone or reversed by making these changes if you go far enough. I mean, for example, uh, in China, Heart disease and diabetes and so many of these chronic diseases were extremely rare until 50 or 60 years ago uh, when they started to eat like us and live like us and now all too often die like us. 
and they had the same genetic diversity that we have in this country. But even if you're not very, say, for example, very genetically efficient at metabolizing dietary fat or refined carbs or things like that, if you're not eating that many to begin with, then those differences really don't matter. And as I mentioned, we, we actually did a study, which we published with Craig Venter, who was the first to decode the human genome, that over 500 genes were changed in just three months, upregulating or turning on the genes to keep us healthy, downregulating the genes, particularly the oncogenes that promote prostate, breast, and colon cancer. Uh, there's switches called methylation and histones and other things that actually can turn on these genes, turn off these genes. And so often I hear people say things like, oh, I've just got bad genes, what can I do? Well, it turns out you can do a lot, again, not to blame, but to empower. Because if it's just all in our genes, uh, then, you know, what can you do? But um, it turns out that there's a lot. I mean, I've been working with uh, former President Bill Clinton since 1993, shortly after he became president, when uh, Hillary asked me to train the chefs to cook for them at the White House and Camp David and Air Force One, and I became one of his consulting doctors. And then about 10 years ago, when his bypass was clogged up, he was told that it was all in his genes, that there was nothing he could do about it. And I met with him. I said, no, it's not all in your genes. You, you know, you're one of the most, if it were all in your genes, you'd be a victim. You, you're not one of the victims. You're one of the most powerful guys on the planet. Uh, again, not to blame, but to empower. And that's when he began making these lifestyle changes and reversing his heart disease. And whatever your politics, when a former president, particularly one who's not known for eating particularly healthily, right. can make these changes, I think that really sets a great example for everyone. That's great. I know you've shared how people are feeling love. This can significantly reduce placking of the arteries. So I guess the Beatles figured it out a long time ago when they told us all we need is love. They were the ultimate cardiologists. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, study after study have shown that people who are lonely and depressed and isolated are three to ten times more likely to get sick and die prematurely than those who have a sense of love and connection and community. Um, and I think the real epidemic in our culture isn't just heart disease and diabetes, as, as important as those are. It's loneliness and depression with the breakdown of the social networks that used to give people a sense of love and connection and community. You know, many people, you know, 50 years ago, most people had an extended family they saw regularly. They had a job they've been that felt secure that they've been at for 10 years or more, where they really got to know their co-workers. They had a, two or three generations of people, uh, you know, living in a neighborhood together. They had a church or synagogue they went to regularly. And Many people today don't have any of those things. And what we're learning is that the need for love and connection to community, I think, is a primal, fundamental human need that's as basic as the need for air and water and food. And that's why, you know, you're three to ten times more likely to get sick and die prematurely from pretty much everything when you don't have that. And, you know, in part, you're more likely to abuse yourself. You know, I'd ask people in our studies, you know, like, why do you eat, overeat or drink too much alcohol or use too many drugs or use opioids or watch <clears throat> to play too many video games or work all the time and these behaviors seem so maladaptive to me and they look at me they go you don't get it they're not maladaptive they're very adaptive because they help us deal with our loneliness our pain our depression i've had patients say things to me like i've got 20 friends in this pack of cigarettes and they're always there for me and nobody else is you're going to take away my 20 friends what are you going to give me or yeah. food fills that void or fat coats my nerves and numbs the pain or opioids numb the pain or Alcohol or other drugs numb the pain, or video games numb the pain, or working all the time numbs the pain. This goes back to, you know, the bypass surgery example that I mentioned earlier, is that we need to not just, I mean, if information were enough to change behavior, nobody would smoke. It's not like people, I tell someone, hey, did you know smoking is bad for you? I'd like you to quit. Oh, I didn't know that. You know, everybody knows it's bad for you. It's on every pack of cigarettes. And it's not enough to just focus on the behavior. We need to work at the deeper level, which is, for so many people, the sense of loneliness and depression and isolation. 
know, there was a, a study that came out a few months ago that the more time you spend on Facebook, the more depressed you are. And it's because it's not a really authentic intimacy. It's like people post this, looks like everybody has this perfect life but you. And it's like, well, gosh, what, what's wrong with me? Whereas when you grow up in a family with two or three generations of people or a neighborhood or extended family, they know you. They don't just know your Facebook profile or your bio sketch or your resume. They, they know where you messed up and you know that they know and you know, and they know that you know that they know. And there's, <laughs> it's kind of like in that scene from, um, that wonderful movie Avatar that James Cameron did, which, uh, you know, I see you, which is really from an African proverb. Um, you know, I see all of you, not just your, you know, your good stuff, but all the places you've messed up. And, and, and so in our support groups and our program, we create an environment that feels safe enough for people to let down their emotional defenses and to talk openly and authentically about what's really going on in their lives without fear that someone's going to judge them or criticize them or reject them or give them glib advice or whatever. And it's something that naturally happens in a in an extended family or in a neighborhood and so on. And so we're really kind of recreating what we've lost in that. And it's so incredibly meaningful. It's why we're getting, you know, bigger changes in lifestyle, better clinical outcomes, better adherence and bigger cost savings than anyone's ever shown before. True. I know when, when you first started talking about diet and lifestyle, you had your share of critics for members of your profession. And over the past couple of decades, we've seen more and more conventional doctors embracing a holistic approach. I'm curious, how many I told you so's have you been able to say to your colleagues? <laughs> well, I never say I told you so, but it's gratifying to see that. I mean, I just came earlier this week was the um, annual meeting of what's called the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, an organization that I helped found. And every year, the number of doctors and other healthcare professionals has doubled. There was over over 1,300 people that were there from 30-some-odd different countries. Uh, I felt like Bono at a U2 concert. You know, it was, uh, right. it was very gratifying to see um, how um, the field is evolving and how much there is interest there is and how many people, you know, came up to me and said, gosh, you know, I, I went into medicine because of you and your work, or my dad is alive, my mom's alive, my spouse is alive, you know, I'm alive. Uh, because I put into practice the kinds of things that you and your colleagues have been studying all these years. So, yeah, it's really gratifying. And now that Medicare and other insurance companies are covering our program, you know, if you change reimbursement, you change medical practice and even medical education. And I think there's a, a convergence of forces that finally make this the right idea at the right time. Uh, right. In uh, On the one hand, studies are showing that, that bypasses and stents and angioplasties really don't work that well in stable patients, and yet we can reverse heart disease uh, by simply changing lifestyle in men who have early-stage prostate cancer. There are t- two 10-year studies that were published in the <clears throat> New England Journal of Medicine uh, showing that after 10 years, men who did nothing who had early-stage prostate cancer lived as long as those who had surgery or radiation. Uh, and yet the surgery and radiation often maim guys in the most personal ways because they're often either impotent or incontinent or both for no benefit at huge economic cost. It turns out maybe one out of 49 men uh, who has early-stage prostate cancer actually benefits uh, uh, from the surgery. Uh, and, and Dr. Peter Carroll, who's the chair of urology at UCSF, where I'm a professor, has been able to identify pretty accurately who those men are who really do benefit from surgery and radiation. But the others, if you just say don't do anything, if the guy knows he's got early prostate cancer growing inside him, he wants to do something about it. And yet the treatment is often worse than the, than the condition because most men are going to die with prostate cancer rather than from it. And so our lifestyle program can provide a third alternative to that because we did a randomized trial with Dr. Carroll and Dr. Bill Fair when he was the chair of urology at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center showing that these same lifestyle changes in a randomized trial 
slowed, stopped, and even reversed the progression of early-stage prostate cancer. Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that this episode is being brought to you by Carnivora. You know, for two decades now, I've interviewed experts with the hopes of bringing optimal health to you, my listeners, but unfortunately, that's not what's happening. Most guests come on here and they contradict the previous expert, leaving everyone, including me, more confused. Some say we should count calories. Others tell us to follow a keto diet. And of course, there's the paleo versus plant-based diet debate. We're told to turn left no turn right, but there's one thing that almost every expert agrees on. Inflammation is the root cause of all disease. Even a lack of energy or difficulty sleeping could be from internal inflammation. This is why I'm excited to share a wonderful product that I take to keep my immune system and inflammation in check. It's called Carnivora, made from extracts of the Venus flytrap. This plant-based nutritional powerhouse contains 17 naturally occurring compounds that helps lower inflammation and support a healthy immune system. If you want to decrease inflammation and boost your immune system, order Carnivora today at Carnivora.com. Say goodbye to internal inflammation. Boost your immune system and start living the healthy life that you deserve. Carnivora.com. You know, I remember back in 1990 reading your book on reversing heart disease. It was truly the cutting edge of natural medicine, the movement that we have today. And I'm curious, fast forward 28 years later, how much new, you know, with all the new knowledge we have on heart disease, I'm curious, what percentage of information of this book still holds true today? Well, we've made very few modifications. Uh, you know, this is a science-based program. It's not a sermon on the mound. And so when new studies come out, we modify it. I mean, we've been including fish oil now for, and or flaxseed oil or plankton-based omega-3 fatty acids for, you know, 20 or 30 years now. Uh, a couple of years, three or four years ago, we included seeds and nuts, even in the reversing heart disease diet in, in small quantities, even though they're high in fat, just because the germinative quality, there are a number of studies have shown that they're really beneficial. But by and large, it's pretty much the same program now that it's been all along. Uh, and, you know, the more diseases we study and the more mechanisms we look at, the more evidence we have to show why it's so powerful and how quickly people can get better in ways we can measure. Yeah, I asked the uh, the same question to Dr. Earl Mendel. He wrote the international bestseller, The Vitamin Bible, and I was shocked by his answer when I asked what percentage of his book is considered obsolete today. He told me all of it is outdated compared to what we know today. So that's how drastically our knowledge of vitamins has changed in the three decades. But with lifestyle and diet, we have centuries of data showing us the importance of exercise and good sleep and love and happiness and the best foods to fuel our body. So it's interesting. I, was, it's, I figured that yours is pretty much accurate today as it was back then. Well, it is. And, and I'm hoping that this new book, which comes out in January, and by the way, if people can pre-order it, it really sends a message it's kind of a political act when you buy this book because it sends a message to the publisher that there is a lot of interest in this, that people are interested, and then they go and promote it. And to me, awareness is always the first step in healing. And so the more opportunities that I have to do interviews like this, uh, the more people who uh, get the book and who can benefit from it, uh, the more uh, suffering that we can relieve. And that's what gets me out of bed every day. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I pre-ordered mine, so I'm excited. Can't wait to read it. And uh, everyone else should. It's, it's. Uh, I'm telling you, this is. Uh, you, you've got to follow this man, folks. He's. This is. The, like I said, he's the godfather of lifestyle medicine. So, you know, he started it <laughs> By all. By the way, really... <laughs> you like oh, that one? <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Let me... I actually got a uh, uh, an award as a the uh, from the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Their their first uh, 
Lifetime Achievement Award, and that's they, they referred me to as the father of lifestyle medicine. Oh, isn't that But great? the reason that I call this new book uh, Undo It, besides the undo button on the uh, keyboard is my favorite and also you know kind of a risk to uh, just do it, is that the spiritual teacher I studied with for many years, uh, a guy named Swami Satchidananda, people would say, what are you, a Hindu? He'd say, no, I'm an undo. So it's called Undo It, in part is homage to him. Oh, I love that. I love, and, and I know in your new book, Undo It, you talk about how people were able to improve their health so much that only only after nine weeks they were able to avoid a heart transplant. Are you saying that even a completely failing heart can rejuvenate? Well, that, we have over a dozen cases of uh, people who were whose hearts they had such massive damage to their hearts that their hearts was pumping their hearts were pumping blood so poorly that they were told that the only thing they could do would be to have a heart transplant. And while you know there's a shortage of donors for heart transplants, and most people have to wait a few months before someone you know, gets killed in a motorcycle or whatever and, and makes their heart available. And so there was one uh, person that I mentioned in the book uh, who's a doctor in, in Los Angeles, and he had a massive heart attack to the point where what's called his ejection fraction, which is the amount of... The ejection fraction is simply the percentage of blood that your heart pumps each time it beats. So normally, it should be at least 50% or greater. So that means that at least half the blood in your chamber of your heart gets pumped out every time it squeezes and pumps blood. And his was down to between 11 and 15 percent, almost barely pumping at all. He couldn't walk three steps without getting chest pain and, and getting dizzy. And, uh, you know, as he later said, he said, I've seen, I've had, he's a doctor himself. He said, I've had patients, uh, I've had dead patients who look better than I did. And, um, as kind of a last ditch attempt with a lot of skepticism, he went through my program, my reversing heart disease program at UCLA in Los Angeles. And nine weeks later, his chest pain had gone away and his, Ejection fraction had improved over 30%. So he's now working full time, six days a week, living at 6,000 feet at Lake Arrowhead, practicing medicine, no pain. I mean, before his son would literally have to carry him up the stairs uh, at his home because he he couldn't walk up the stairs without getting such uh, chest pain and passing out. And now he's able to walk stairs and you know do all the activities. He said that he feels as good now as he did you know any time in his life. And so you know it's like. People say, oh, Dean, you've got this radical intervention. Like, why don't you do something more conventional, like, you know, a heart transplant, you know? And I go, <laughs> gee, you know, what's the more radical intervention here? Eat well, move more, stress less, and love more, or a heart transplant? Not to mention the fact that a heart transplant costs, costs at least a million and a half dollars in a year of immunosuppressive, I mean, in a lifetime of immunosuppressive drugs. And it's kind of really the ultimate high-tech, low-tech juxtaposition. And it illustrates how powerful these simple lifestyle changes can be. You know, people think it has to be something really high-tech and expensive to be powerful. And so I think examples like this are really capture people's imagination and show, like, you know, give me, come on, just give me a break. It's talking about my feelings and eating plant-based food and walking and meditating is somehow going to reverse my heart disease or be an alternative to a heart transplant? Please, how could that be? But that's what we've been showing. And we've published yeah. our studies in all the leading peer-reviewed medical and scientific journals and work with the leading collaborators and presented at the main scientific meetings and so on, it worked. And as someone who's been in all these diet debates and diet wars over the years with Dr. Atkins and others, and I'm just kind of done. And so in this book, I'm just saying, look, here's what we've done. Here's what we found. It works. If you want to do it, here's how you can do it. Boom, that's it. Yeah, and I love that you're showing this as, uh, you know, some things people are hearing and they go, wait, there is no point of no return. And I think we use that as an excuse. Ah, I'm so fat. There's no hope for me now. Or, oh, my blood sugar is so bad. I wish I would have caught it earlier. There's no time like now, right? I mean, there's hope for everybody listening. Whatever they're suffering from, the body wants to rejuvenate. You just got to push it in the right direction. Yeah, our bodies often have a remarkable capacity to begin healing. 
and much more quickly than we had once realized. And of course, if you have a, a life-threatening chronic disease, do this under your doctor's supervision because, I mean, for one thing, when people get put on medications to lower their cholesterol or their blood pressure or their blood sugar, and they make these intensive lifestyle changes, even though they were told they would need to take these medications, often in higher and higher doses for the rest of their lives, they're often able to reduce or even get off these medications and sometimes have to. Their blood pressures get too low otherwise. So it's important that you work with a physician who can monitor your progress. And, you know, nothing works all the time for everyone, not drugs, not surgery, not lifestyle. But the vast majority of people do actually get better when they make these changes. Yeah. Now, you do mention, you know, plant-based, which would mean pretty much animal products are off-limits. Are there some that are more healthier than others that, that, that you would recommend? Well, I read a book earlier, 10 years ago, called The Spectrum, which was based on the finding in all of our studies that the more you change, the more you improve at any age. Uh, and so if you are if you indulge yourself one day, eat healthier the next. If you don't have to exercise one day, do a little more the next. If you don't have time to meditate for an hour, do it for a minute. Whatever you do, there's a corresponding improvement. But if you're trying to reverse a life-threatening condition, this is more the pound of cure than the ounce of prevention, it's hard. It takes a lot to do that. And uh, so that's why we found that uh, a whole foods, plant-based diet, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, soy products, low in fat, low in sugar, and low in refined carbohydrates is really the optimal way for most people to eat. Got it. That makes sense. If someone's suffering from a chronic disease like, let's say, heart disease, and they were to implement the program you suggest, how quickly until somebody sees results? Well, these, that's part of what continually amazes me is that uh, these underlying biological mechanisms are so much more dynamic than we had once realized. In both directions, you can get better quickly, you can get worse quickly, depending on what you're doing. And in the case of heart disease, we find that most people, if they follow the program strictly, and most people do, you know, 94% of the people finish their 72 hours of training, and a year later, 85 to 90% of the people are still following it. And the reason are is that they feel so much better. You know, um, within a week or two, most people notice a marked reduction in the frequency of chest pain. And within about a month, there's a 91% reduction in the frequency of angina or chest pain. And for someone who can't, you know, go back to work without getting pain or make love with their partner without getting pain or play with their kids or do all the things that make life worth doing uh, or even walk across the street before the light changes without getting chest pain. And within a few weeks, they can do all of those things. Then it really reframes the reason for making these changes from fear of dying to joy of living. In other words, so often as doctors, we're trained to try to scare people into changing. You know, put that cigarette down, you're going to get lung cancer. Put that burger down, you're going to get a heart attack. Or take your cholesterol-lowering drugs. It'll prevent a, something really bad like a heart attack or a stroke from help prevent it from happening, you know, years down the road. But most people don't really relate to those kinds of things. It's just too scary to think that something bad will happen, so we tend not to do it. That's why, you know, a lot of doctors think, oh, I can get my patients to take their their cholesterol-lowering drugs, but there's no way they're going to change their lifestyle. And yet half to two-thirds of people prescribed statins aren't taking them after just four to six months. And yet we're getting, you know, 94% of the people completing our program after nine weeks. And the reason is, is that you feel so much better so quickly. It reframes the reason for making the changes from preventing something bad from happening to feeling better. And, you know, there's no point in giving up something that you enjoy unless you get something back that's better and quickly. And when people make these changes, again, most people feel so much better so quickly and what they gain is so much more than what they give up, that they are, it's sustainable not to live longer, although you probably will, but to live better. Yeah. I love what you said. You had a little quick soundbite. I want to throw it back out there because I loved it. You said, from fear of dying to the joy of living. That's pretty profound. That's 
<laughs> I love that. I haven't heard that. That's uh, that should be the, the the mantra of everybody. You know, stop throwing fear in your life and look at the good side. Is you know, there's so fear tactics. So many of the medical profession, and you know, you've got that other side of the rainbow. I love that. So fantastic. It's been so great chatting with you today. Definitely got to have you come back. I had so many other things I wanted to ask you, and it's just a plethora of great information. And to learn more about Doctor Ornish, make sure you go to ornish.com and. While you're there, be sure and peruse his video library, his articles, and all of his research. And you can order his new book, Undo It, available now at Amazon.com. Go ahead and order that. You can follow Dr. Ornish on Twitter at Dean Ornish MD and on Facebook at Ornish. And for my daily Facebook and Twitter posts, follow me at Dr. David Friedman. If you heard something today that somebody listening should have heard and they just didn't listen in, send them a link to this podcast. It's available to yourgoodhealthradio.com or radiomd.com. And while you're there, be sure and check out our podcast library and share segments with friends and family and coworkers and on social media. This information is just too important to keep to yourself. So go out there and share it and you can subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.